Hi, welcome to the Layman's Journey. I'm your co-host Raphael with my fellow co-host James. James here. Today we'll be taking a look at the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, uh, June 7, 2020. And like always, we'll start off with James reading the Antiphon. Blessed be God the Father, and the only begotten Son of God, and also the Holy Spirit, for he has shown us his merciful love. What'd you think of the first reading? I think it's it's really to the point, and I think that um, what I really like here is uh, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in kindness and fidelity. I just I like the it's just it's a nice reminder that God is like infinitely compassionate, right, and infinitely patient. Yeah, and for. At that point, Moses, I think it was God reminding Moses that he's capable of forgiveness, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, Moses at that point had to deal with his people sacrificing to the, the false idols. and He's obviously irritated with them. And God is kind of reminding him here, I'm a God of kindness, right? Yeah, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good reminder of, you know, what we should be aspiring to be as Christians, right? Uh, compassionate understanding patient but i think it also means that like we have a just god behind this right and that our faith is something of value and it's not something that we have to be ashamed of right and no matter what we do we are beyond forgiveness which is especially meaningful for today's world it's easy at least for me to have a very bleak outlook on humanity um Mm -hmm. This kind of reminder that there is hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The last and... line. This is indeed a stiff-necked people, yet pardon our wickedness and sins and receive us as your own. I feel like we are currently very stiff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, especially with the current times. And I, I think... I think it's it's nice to know that like I, we've talked about this a lot, but it's just that God knows that we're human and that our humanity, you know, makes us imperfect people. But our souls are something that you know have immense value to God, and He's willing to pardon our our wickedness, wickedness, and our sins because He cares about us so much. Right. Yeah. I like also the Moses bowing down to the ground worship, right? Mm-hmm. It's not something we see very much uh, in today's world where it's, you know, like we'll kneel and we'll genuflect when we're at mass or in a church, but bowing to the ground, right? Like face to the dirt. <laughs> it's like this is the effect that hearing God's voice has on on Moses, right? Um, it's just kind of an interesting reminder to me, right? It's easy to think of God as rich in kindness and merciful, mm-hmm. and then go too far down that road, maybe, and not give him the level of respect he deserves, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he's like my buddy, and it doesn't matter what I do, right? It's like, well, you still owe him your like 
absolute utmost respect. <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. You know? Uh-huh. It's, I, I, think, I think it's a really interesting line to uh, tread, right? And it's like, it's really easy to be complacent if you go down that line to think mm-hmm. that because God is ever merciful, it means that no matter what we do, he'll forgive us. And like, while that is true, I think it is because that it is true that he deserves reverence and respect and all, right? Because something like, I guess for me personally, it just feels like I don't want to take advantage of that, right? Or take it for granted. Like, right. I think that that is a wonderful gift that I should value and turn in some way, right? Right. And it's it's like, yes, he'll forgive us, but it, he forgives us when we do our part. <laughs> you know, we have to try to live by his laws and try to come. Uh, and, you know, if we just, like, go through our whole life in total sin, it's like you're not ever taking advantage, I guess, in a way, of that forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to come to him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like it's like that, it's, 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 in, it's the intentional aspect of free will that we have. It's this idea that we we are given free will so we can freely and wholly choose God for ourselves, because that's what God wants nothing more than right is is for us to choose Him, for us to be in relationship with Him without Him forcing us, right? Because He isn't an omnipotent being; He can force us, but that's not. Where's the? I guess like where's the value in that, right? And that's where right. free will comes in. Yeah, I think kind of like going off of this is like the, before your final line. If I find favor with you, O Lord, do come along in our company. And I think, I think it's interesting that it says our company, right? It's back to that idea of community, and I think the idea of the church. Like we, if we find favor in God, He is present in us as a as a church as a whole. And I think that community is really important to us, especially as Catholics, right? Yeah, I also think it, it's interesting. Um, it's kind of Moses is taking on a role of responsibility for his people in this line because it's if he finds favor with God, let God come along in the company of all of his people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like Moses saying, if I can do the right thing, help my people please <laughs> you know yeah um, but he's you know he is like the leader of the group of people and he's taking that responsibility as he is like the bridge for them to mm-hmm. god right he's like between the two um i think that's kind of cool and kind of going off of that, you remind me, I don't necessarily know the exact details of it, but I, I know that before priests are ordained, they lay prostrate like, and, and meditate for a long amount of time. And I think that this kind of goes back to it, right? This idea of, you know, you're bowing down to the ground in worship and you're saying, if I find favor in you, Lord, please help me with my people, right? Right. Like, and help, yeah. So it's interesting to kind of see the connection um, here and then to kind of see it now in a modern light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting because, well, here, Moses is not only the priest of these people, but also the political leadership of these people. Mm-hmm. And 
um, now in our country, those things are totally completely separate, right? Like mm. bishops are, are spiritual leaders, but they have no political power. Um, whereas our political leadership is seemingly totally devoid of Christianity at times, you know? Yeah. No, um, sure. Yeah. So it is interesting. It's kind of just a strange difference, right? Whereas Moses is able to take this full responsibility on himself. Um, but today's church leaders don't have the same power that Moses had. Mm -hmm. Want to move on to the psalm? Yeah, sounds good. Um, do you have anything off the top of your head for the psalm? Uh, I just found it interesting. Every single verse ends with the same line. Praiseworthy and exalted above all for ages. Every single line is, mm -hmm. or verse is saying this about uh, God. And I found that to be just the repetition, a good reminder. <laughs> mm -hmm. I guess it changes in the second verse. It's praiseworthy and glorious above all forever. Um, but I think it's just a reminder, right, that we have to give praise to God. <laughs> um, and I think all of the words of this psalm are just like this ultimate praise of God. Um, I think that kind of goes to what we were talking about in the first reading with Moses, you know, bowing down all the way to the ground. It's this kind of, you can give no higher praise than what you should give to God, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's also kind of a reminder that our highest praise should be given to God, right? Not yeah. um, mortal idols and stuff. Because I think it's like, we talked about this, I think, maybe in our last podcast or the podcast before, but this idea of like worshiping false idols mm -hmm. and giving them more praise than God. And it kind of like, when you think about it, is illogical because they're, you know, mortal and human and make mistakes. Right, right. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I guess in that way relate very much to what Moses was dealing with at the time. Um, but also with us, I mean, his people put up a golden calf statue and we're worshiping this gold. And now it seems that we worship a lot of materialistic things and wealth and that kind of stuff very similarly, right? Mm. Um, yeah, it would be a good reminder for everyone to focus their priorities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's... Yeah, but I, I think you're right. The praiseworthy and glorious above all forever, praiseworthy and exalted above all, it's just just a nice reminder of what the first reading is trying to get to us or get through to us. Yeah, and also, blessed are you on the throne of your kingdom. Just kind of a reminder that, you know, God is king. <laughs> um, he sits on the throne. So we should, just because he's not a vengeful, evil God doesn't mean we should take advantage of that, right? We should still no. give him utmost respect. So, and I think it's something that's um, apparent a lot in a lot of Old Testament readings is this fear of God that seems 
to me lost in most people that I talk to nowadays where it's like we have this idea of our forgiving and kind God. Um, and we aren't fearful. And to me, if we spend our whole life sinning and don't come to God and we're going to go to hell, that is something you should fear. Uh-huh. And God is not vengeful, but he's still frightening in that he's all-powerful, right? Uh-huh. So, yeah, to, I, I mean, it's... I, I fall into this all the time where I, I'm like thinking like, why would I be scared of God? He, he loves me. He's, you know, he's all forgiving yeah. and he loves me. But at the same time, it's like, there are things that are so powerful beyond your comprehension, right? Like even just standing at the beach, right? The ocean is this kind of, to me, it's a reminder of our humanity, right? Cause it's something that's so big and powerful that I could never with my physical body overcome it. Right. Uh-huh. And, God is infinitely more powerful than the ocean. And so just like we should be afraid of these large, powerful things in our world, we should be even more so afraid of God, I think. It's... Yeah, I, I think it's something that um, for sure, it's like it's like kind of like this you know, we we have this infinitely compassionate God who loves us and is willing to forgive us our sins. But also, I think that doesn't mean we can't. I don't know if this is necessarily correct, but like like disappoint him in a way, right? Like we're not, or no, it's not disappointing. It's just like it it hurts him to see our failures, right? To be less than what we were meant to be. And I think that that is something we should be afraid of, right? It's like. You wouldn't want to hurt someone that cares for you, especially someone that, like if they, you know, if they care for you unconditionally, right? It's like I think like maybe that is the fear that we should have is the the fear of not being um, the best we can be, right? Like choosing the easy path because it's easy, not because it's the right one. Right. Yeah, and I think in a way also, it kind of comes to that parental image, right? Like. You can have your dad that is kind and treats you well, but at the same time, everybody's a little scared of their dad. <laughs> right? <laughs> when you're a little kid, right? Like if you break something, you're like, oh, dad's going to kill me, you know, like or something like that. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, I think it's a, a similar kind of feeling we should have for God, where it's, yes, he is loving and he will forgive us, but. At the same time, there should be a little healthy fear. Mm. <laughs> I think it probably like leans more towards respect, right? In that, right. In that sense, yeah, yeah. And I think also that could be. Um, I'm not sure of this, but a, a translational difference too. In a lot of languages, words like fear and respect are very similar, right? Mm-hmm. And even in English, they have very slightly different meanings but very similar connotations um and so yeah i mean that would be something i'd have to study the hebrew (laughs) to to figure out but it, it could be very much that it's a concept that closely relates respect and fear more so yeah than is apparent with english 
And I think I think you're right. I think English ha- divides respect and fear in a more stark contrast in comparison to I think other languages, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you have anything else to, to, from the psalm you'd like to talk about? Uh, no. You want to move on to second reading? Yeah, sure. What did you think? I think that this is kind of like you already mentioned before, but like, you know, like some of us, like, well, maybe I and my friends sometimes joke, you know, OT God is, you know, a vengeful God, whereas New Testament God is more kind and stuff. But I think, I think what you're saying is right, though, is like this is kind of a reminder that God, I guess, whether Old Testament or New Testament, however you want to separate it, has always loved us, right? It's just that He is. Because he's understanding, because he's patient, he's offering us different ways to um, find peace with him and find um, relationship with him. Because I think humanity has broken the covenant with God a lot of times, and he keeps coming back to renew it with us. Right. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, I think it's also a call for us to treat each other with kindness. I really like greet one another with a holy kiss, mm-hmm. not just a kiss, a holy kiss, right? <laughs> um, it would be weird if we walked around now and greeted every single person with a kiss, right? Obviously with um, the pandemic and everything, that would be crazy to even consider. Um, but it's just God wants us to live in peace and community with each other. Mm-hmm right mend your ways encourage one another and it seems so often in in the world now we're tearing each other apart right yeah it's it's like everybody is you put energy into either constructive or destructive things right so you can be constructive to the things you believe in or destructive to the things that you don't believe in and it seems to me nowadays many people are putting all of their energy into destructive things that they disagree with and i think it would be much better if everybody put their energy into something constructive for what they believed in right because then Mm -hmm. it's we're not tearing each other down we're building up our own ideologies and at that point the ideology that is more correct will shine through right so um, but as long as everybody keeps tearing everybody apart, there's no room for that kind of discussion. I think it kind of go off that, like before that, it's mend your ways, encourage one another, agree with one another, and live in peace. And it's just like, it, it speaks a lot to what you're saying. It's like, you know, instead of being deconstructive, we should be con- like positively constructive. And it just seems like it's not about people being right. It just seems like people are emphasizing the errors of people's ways, right? They're not helping each other up. They're just bringing them more down without recognizing if what they're saying is right and how they can make it right. Right. It's if somebody rises to any level of renown at this point and you disagree with them, it seems like the instinct is to try to find every character flaw you can possibly find in the person. Right. Mm. And, when are you ever going to have time to hear the message that they're trying to say if all you're doing is spending your time trying to find character flaws, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's not encouraging one another. 
And I think by like by focusing on these character flaws, you're inherently choosing to not listen to them ever, right? Because at that point, you have chosen to condemn them, and you're looking for reasons to condemn them, right? And right. and as those reasons start to fall apart because maybe they don't have any grounds, you're looking harder and harder in the wrong direction, like you're saying, right? You're like you're looking more into the negative instead of the positive. Yeah, and yeah, like you said, at that point, there's no room inside of yourself to hear what they have to say so it's even if you will eventually still disagree with them you can't make any progress if no one listens to anyone else right so yeah just as a quick aside i looked up the um hebrew word is yara and it's used both in the sense of fearing like being afraid or embarrassed as it is used to mean something more like revere. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so yeah. Reverence. So yeah, it's it's kind of one word that kind of encompasses a lot of different things depending on the context. Um, so, yeah. So it's kind of like focusing on revering the Lord. Yeah, reverence. and I mean, I think I think almost in every context it can be slightly different right mm-hmm. yeah because <laughs> we should have reverence for the lord but we should also have a level of fear and re- yeah. in a fear sense of the lord um as well but yeah i think primarily this kind of sense of reverence is what we're getting at well i think also because the word can mean so many things it doesn't mean you can't be fearful while not revering the lord and i think yeah, exactly. that's what makes makes it so beautiful whereas english is so clear-cut right when when we say something, you have, I mean, English words can have different meanings, but based on the context, it has a, a specific and different meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's just, it's not, it doesn't have the depth, I don't think, that the original text would. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on to the gospel? Yeah. Do you have anything on the gospel? I think it's primarily to me more a reminder of it's not just saying like the other readings, God is all forgiving, you know, you should respect each other, respect God. But this one is remember what God did for you. It's this reminder that he gave us his son. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a reminder that, he didn't give us his son like it says for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him so this most ultimate loving act that god did was not an act of destruction like we're talking about it was an act of construction mm-hmm. and it it i think it's like it really speaks to how we should be treating each other right he he didn't send, like you said, his son to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him, right? And I think that this is a a, a message for us. Is like, we should not be condemning other people. That's not going to save them. Like, if we want to save someone's soul, it's not about condemning, like, who they are. It's about condemning the actions, right, that we've, we've talked about. Like, um, if you see someone sinning, you shouldn't be sit there in tolerance because you're not helping them. You're, it's, you're just ignoring the problem kind of thing. And I think right. that in our current state of the world, 
um, at least in America, it's like it just seems like we're fighting for peace, but we're doing it through condemnation, which is not the way to do it, right? And I think God, as an example, is he he didn't come to condemn us for, for our sins. He instead came to forgive us for our sins and to say that you can be better than this. And right. like, because you're fully capable of this as human beings, you know? Um, and I think that we forget that it's, it just, it just seems like it's easier for people to condemn and fight than it is to sit down and talk. Right. And it's also, um, to me seems like a projection kind of a situation whereas in the mainstream us as catholics we get this we are portrayed as like bigots and like we're condemning everybody that's sinning Mm -hmm. and that's not what we're here for and i'm you know i'm sure there are examples of catholics that are being bigots and are condemning people but it's not what we're about right it's not what catholicism calls us to do and it's it seems almost like the mainstream has gone so much down this road of being destructive and condemning people that they can't believe that someone else would be trying to help. Mm. Them, right? It's like if 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 I point out a flaw in in somebody's behavior, they can't bear the thought that it could be because I care about them. Right, it mm. must be because I'm condemning them, mm. um, and I think that's kind of going back to our previous podcast. Why it's so hard to have those conversations with friends and family, um, because the instinct is to think that they're being condemned. Mm. And I, I think you're right. It's just like people just. I, I think, and in terms of like you know the general. It's like you know Catholics are going to condemn people, and it's just like that's not a fair portrayal of Catholicism as a whole, right? We have so many people that you know a a small majority doesn't speak for all of us because I think, from my sense, the majority of Catholics are respectful of other people's beliefs. We have our own, and we try to have these open dialogues, but um, and but we don't we don't come at people forcefully like this that, that are condemning other people would. So I guess like you don't see those Catholics as much or you don't hear about them because they're either making strides in a, in a way that are less aggressive, right? And more heart opening and, you know, t- and kind of like in a compassionate sense, right? Because it, it just seems like the media isn't going to talk about, oh, a bunch of people did these nice things because no one likes listening to that kind of news, apparently. All they want to hear about is there are riots happening. There are these problems happening. There are these scandals that are happening, right? It just right. we 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 rarely see um, good news in the media, and when we do, it just seems so like I, I wouldn't say they're artificial, right? Like I'm hoping that these events actually happen, but it just seems like they were picked for a reason to further a specific agenda, right? They weren't chosen just to be like, oh, this is a wonderful thing that's happened. We 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 don't want anything from this. We just wanted to share that with you, kind of thing, and it just. It just, I don't know. It, I feel like we're lacking that sincerity. I think it's easy also to jump to a generic conclusion based on one or a couple bad examples, right? Like if I mm-hmm. met somebody um, that was Catholic and I'd never met any Catholics before, and that one Catholic happened to be a jerk, 
I would just make it's easy to make the blanket statement, oh well Catholics must all be jerks. Mm. When in fact that is completely misrepresentative of everything the Catholic Church would stand for. Um and with how easy it is to spread information now, it's really easy to latch on to those sensational points and say, oh well, there's an example of this bad thing that happened. So that means blanket statement, this whole group is bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like we see it happen to cops, we see it happen to different religions and um, people of different cultures, and it's 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 misrepresentative, right? It's yeah, it's not like saying on average this group of people behaves like this. Like it's saying one guy behaved like this one time, and therefore they all behave like this. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think there are generalizations that you can make and you should make um, for your own safety and health in terms of, um, you know, if there's a very violent country in the world, you can make the generalization, well, it's the people there are violent at this current time, so it wouldn't be safe for me to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's one violent guy in a whole town and you see a news story about this one violent guy, you don't need to make the generalization that the whole town is unsafe. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a difference between, I think, a single case happening and an overarching, like, average <laughs> across the population. Right. Yeah. And it seems like these single case situations, because of how easy it is for that one story to get spread so quickly and rapidly, um, get turned into this kind of generalization that they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And Kind of going off that, I think this is a really prime example of like the state of our modern world, right? Like, I know a lot of nice, good, welcoming, compassionate Catholics, right? We stand for compassion, and like that's our is like Catholicism. It's like we care about everyone. It's a universal church. But I met those people in churches or youth groups or like ministry stuff, right? But like in, it just seems like in the world it is really hard to find another Catholic because no one feels safe to admit they're Catholic, right? Because yeah. everywhere you go, it seems like there are people just bashing Catholics left and right. They're like, oh, they're doing this. They're saying this. And it's just like, it's really hard for people to find or see Catholics for what they are because they don't, those Catholics don't feel safe about right. it, right? And I think and, this is one regard in which we can show leadership in that, you know, when we are out and about just being unapologetically Catholic, right? <laughs> just, mm-hmm. Like being upfront about being Catholic, because like if I'm in a crowded place and I'm upfront about being Catholic, like if any kind of conversation is happening, it might give some level of bravery to any other Catholics that happen to be there. Like, oh, he said he's Catholic. So I can also, you know, like now mm-hmm. I can open up, right? And so it's just one of those things where it's the more people are willing to put themselves out there, the more support they'll have. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a change I think that needs to happen um, within Catholicism that we are proud to be Catholic instead of fearful of being called catholic right Mm -hmm. and then i think it's also like we can take those opportunities also to like uh um i I would not say um i i'm trying to find the word not 
Anyways, it's like to address, there you go, to address like those false stereotypes, right? Because like, just because you say you're Catholic, they might be, oh, he's about to, you know, rant on us. And then you can just say, calmly, you know, those aren't our beliefs if they're being misrepresented. And then you can explain calmly, right? Mm-hmm. And then at that point, it's not on you, it's on them on how they take it. Because I, I feel like if you were to have a conversation with someone, you would not be all high and mighty from the get-go. Right. And it's not about being high and mighty. It's just about being truthful to who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it's um, like I can be beta in this way where I like hide my true self from all of the people around me. Um, or I can be outwardly, openly myself. Like I can say I'm Catholic and that means I believe this. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and if you are open and brazen about it yeah sure there's going to be people that are hating you and disrespecting you but there's going to be a lot of people that respect you more for it um and i think there's going to be a lot more people that gain respect for you than there will be that are aggressive towards you you know Mm. and i think i think you're right about that and like in in those scenarios if someone's already aggressive towards you they've already made up their mind regardless of how nice and compassionate you may be or how you approach it, right? Because it seems like for someone to just irrationally be mad at you because you're Catholic without knowing you seems, um, I guess, predisposed already. So it's not your fault at that point. Right, yeah. And I think more often than not, it would be in a way hypocritical because most of the people that would bash on Catholics are the same people that are constantly telling us all we need to be open to everybody all the time Mm -hmm. you know and so i mean i would say that catholics are the best at being open to other people (laughs) (laughs) so yeah no i think i think that's that's fair just like i don't know for the catholics i know and i've met um and like they're really devout in their beliefs but like when people are sharing their ideas with them they're not instantly shooting them down right they take the time to listen and then they present their own views it's not about you know i think i think it's like it's important to listen right to make someone feel heard and then address it and i think that like you're right the people that don't like catholics they're they're not listening they're just attacking us over and over again yeah and also like you know if you go into a catholic church and you're not catholic are you going to be unwelcome no, you can talk to almost anybody in there and they're going to be super excited that you're at all interested and they'll tell you everything they know about their faith, you know, and what Mm -hmm. it means to them. And it's like, that's not what a religion that's totally bigotry would look like, right? Like, if we were all a bunch of bigots, it wouldn't be that way. Yeah, I, I, no, I think that's a really great way of talking about it. Because, like, we're not like some secretive club where people have to show their Catholic ID to get into your church. Like they're yeah. just like we, especially when I went to college. I I remember our masses. You know, they they invited everyone on campus, regardless of their religion, because we wanted to share with people. Right. Well, and it's, I mean, our calling is to bring God's light to the world and bring everyone to Catholicism, and people like you can't forcibly convert somebody else they have to convert themselves but they Mm -hmm. can't do that if they remain ignorant to catholicism so like yes i'm going to be open about what catholicism means because i want you to find it as well 
Mm. And it's like, I, I think we talked about this once. It's like, it's like when, when you go to Easter Vigil Masses and you are sitting there for confirmation and baptism, depending on how far into the rites they are, just like watching those people make that choice and like know that, knowing that they are making that choice of their own will is like, it's a really beautiful thing to see, right? So why would we take that away from someone by forcing them to believe when we can offer it to them and let them choose it? Right. And I mean, you can't even really force someone to believe, right? You can force yeah. them to go through the motions, but if they believe or not, it's ultimately completely up to them. So it's not something you can give or take away from anybody. All we can do is try to enlighten people with our, our presence and our um, example. Mm. And I, I think, going back to what you were saying earlier, it's like being unapologetically Catholic is, is the first step to going about it. And I think that that, that is exactly what the church needs right now. It's this idea of, no, we're not going to, we're not going to afraid to be Catholic because people are going to make fun of us. We are Catholic because we want to be. And I think that that is a choice and a, and people, we, we, we should be remind, we should remind ourselves every day is like, we've have chosen to be Catholic, right? No one else is forcing us to be Catholic. Right. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to the 40 minute mark. Shall I read the communion antiphon? Yeah. Since you are children of God, God has sent into your hearts, the spirit of his son, the spirit who cries out, Abba, father. I mean, to me, it's really nice to be called a child of God, right? It's mm. that personal connection we all have with him. It's not some deity up in outer space in a physical place that's separated from us and has no caring where his children mm -hmm. he cares about us. Um, and he's done all of these great things for us. So, yeah. I, I agree. And I think that that is a it's a good reminder to have or a good thing we should remind ourselves as we go through our lives um right. do you want to uh end with a prayer this time james you go ahead and lead it all right in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen thank you father for gathering us today to look at your readings to hopefully gain knowledge and wisdom that is hidden in the text for all to see I would like today to pray for all those that are feeling like they are marginalized or forgotten, that they may be remembered and that they may feel your love, even if there aren't others around them to love them currently. I would like to pray that we all have the grace to encourage one another. For all the prayers spoken out loud and held within our hearts, we lift them up to you, Lord. Today, I would like to end with a prayer to the Holy Spirit again. So remain with us the whole day, Lord. May your grace be a sun that never sets. Dedicate this day to you as an offering. Do not let us offer anything that is evil. May your gift of light pervade this whole day, that we may be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. May the love of your Holy Spirit direct our hearts and our lips, and may we always act in accordance with your will. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.